Hi, welcome to the 13th Warehouse, Friday the 13th TV series edition. I'm Vicki. And I'm Kim. And these are the episode credits for Friday the 13th the series, Season 3, Episode 19, The Tree of Life. Series created by Frank Mancuso Jr. and Larry B. Williams. Written by Christine Foster. Directed by William Fruitt. Original air date, May 7th, 1990. So we're back with Season 3, Episode 19, The Tree of Life. I'm on my own this week, so I'll be doing this as I normally do when I'm on my own in real time. I'm going to watch 5-10 minutes, record 5-10 minutes, so at this point I don't know what the antique is. So as you know, that means you're going to have to listen to me guessing and theorizing about what's going on. But you know that. The little music snippets all the way through are where I stopped watching to record. Also, this is our second to the last episode. So I'm hoping Kim will be ready to come back for the last episode, but there may be a little gap in between this episode and the last one, depending on Kim's availability. So just so you know, we will be back with the last episode. It may not be a week after this one. It may be a couple weeks after this one. All right, so let's get going. So we begin the episode in 1984 with Michael Eng rushing to a hospital-like place. I'm not entirely sure it's a hospital because his wife Jennifer is in labor. We can hear her ask for him in the delivery room, but the doctor, who is already creepy, tells him that his wife doesn't want him in the room just yet. She tells him about a charm to ease the labor, something he can do by lighting a candle and placing it at the foot of the almighty oak. He calls it mumbo-jumbo, and he just wants to see his wife. The doctor takes offense to this and tells him that they came to her because he was sterile, And they wouldn't be having a baby if not for her. So I guess it's not an official hospital. And it sounds like, because he says, I put up with this mumbo jumbo so far. So there must have been a lot of weird stuff like this for them to get pregnant. So she insists that he continue to follow her directions to the end. So he follows the path to the tree and puts the candle on the table in front of it. And he mutters that it's all superstitious garbage. And the wind kicks up and a root comes out of the ground and drags him underground. And then we see some sort of idol or statue underground. I imagine it's underground. But we don't see Michael or what's happening to him. But we do hear a baby cry. And then we're back in the delivery room and the baby's been born. It's a boy, but apparently she had twins and asks where the twin is. They tell her that the baby girl was dead and never breathed. But Jennifer insists that she had heard her and she becomes hysterical, screaming for her baby because she insists she heard her. The nurse gives her an injection. Later, we see that the doctor and the nurses have the live baby girl and they're calling her Sheila. I don't know if it's Sheila or Shayla. I'm going to have to listen again. The doctor says that she will be more than just the priestess for the king of the wood. She will be a prophet and a magician, and soon the room will be filled with her sisters, and they will spread the secrets of the druids throughout the world. So I'm not sure what the antique is unless it's the statue under the tree, but at first glance, whatever the antique is, it seems to help women get pregnant, and I guess the father is the sacrifice. I'm assuming that in order for them to fill the room that the pregnancies will all be twins, and then they'll steal the girls. I don't know. We, we haven't heard anything about Michael yet, so I'm assuming he's the sacrifice. So, we'll see. So, after the intro, we're at the store in present time, where a pregnant couple are buying baby items. 
The husband mentions the size of his wife and comments that there must be a whole sports team in there. They mention that this is their first child, and when Mickey seems surprised due to their age, the Sandersons mention the miracle work of Dr. Oakwood. She helped them despite their age and despite whatever kept them from conceiving over the 13 years they've been trying. Matthew complains a bit about drinking carrot juice and eating oat bran, sort of like Michael did. You know, he was calling it voodoo mumbo jumbo, but he was going along with it because it was working. So Jack seems surprised that this pregnancy happened just because of a health food diet. Back at the clinic, we're shown other patients in the waiting room, but also a nursery full of little girls participating in a lesson about forest creatures. Sheila is there, the baby that was born to Jessica and Michael at the beginning, and I'd imagine she would be about six at this point. And she answers a question about forest creatures, with if she could name forest creatures, and she answers that question with the answer trees. And the message is that all of the forest is alive, but only the sisterhood can speak with the things that are alive, like trees and rocks and everything else. This is why they're taught their spells and chants, so that they, at some point, will be able to speak to the forest creatures. So all the little girls are dressed in white, and the whole thing is creepy. And Dr. Oakwood comes in to listen to Sheila answer tree, and she apparently thinks that they're on track with her. And then they all sing some sort of song that they all seem to know that calls a crow to the window. I don't know if that has anything to do with anything, but I didn't want to leave it out just in case it does. So we move over to Johnny buying a hot dog at a street vendor, where he sees a commotion at the newsstand. A woman is trying to steal a magazine while screaming that she took her baby. Johnny rushes over and pays for the magazine, and we see that the woman is a disheveled Jessica. She tells Johnny that the woman on the cover is a witch and took her baby. The woman on the cover is Dr. Oakwood, and the article is praising her for the work she's doing in fertility. They call her bringer of life. Johnny looks skeptical and even seems to feel sorry for this deranged woman. I'm just going by his facial expressions. That's what I think. Because it is an odd story. But he does go sit with her and listen to her story. It seems as if he doesn't know what to do with her and doesn't want to leave her alone. She tells Johnny that the treatment she received was really a spell. She tells him that her husband left without a word, which she doesn't understand because he wanted the child as much as she did. That's probably why they didn't want him to park his car in the front, because then they have to get rid of it. (laughs) I don't know. (laughs) They made a big deal about him parking his car in the front at the beginning. But then we find out that her son, the one she did get to keep, Scotty, died at six years old. She shows Johnny a picture of Scotty, who does look exactly like Sheila. She asks Johnny to go there to see if Sheila is there. She's afraid to go herself because she believes they'll kill her. Johnny still looks like he believes she's, she's having psychological difficulties, and he tells her that she should get help. But she replies that she is getting help, and she's asking him, You're the help, dude. So Johnny takes the magazine back to the store. They discuss Jessica's claims. At this point, Johnny seems more on board with the situation than it appeared when he was with Jessica. So as Mickey's reading the article about the clinic's 98% success rate, Johnny notices that they never say what the treatment is. Jack jumps in with a snarky, apparently it's health food, comment. I think it was snarky. I can never tell with Jack. Sometimes I think he looks suspicious and then he isn't. So I don't know. I felt like he said that 
like he didn't believe it. Which is why I'm kind of confused about why he doesn't go along with this. If he thinks health food cannot possibly be the reason why all these people are having babies, then why doesn't he go along with this? But he doesn't find Dr. Oakwood's name in the manifest. So he closes the manifest and looks like, well, that's that, as if it's the end of it. Like, like maybe they should look for some sort of fertility antiques instead of just the person's name. Seriously, how many times has the artifact been sold to someone other than the person who's using it? It always disappoints me when Jack is the one to poo-poo on the idea. He's the one with the most experience with the antiques and with the occult in general. And it's always disappointing when he doesn't give the situation enough thought. So Johnny asks if Mrs. Sanderson looked as if she was going to have twins. But Jack stomps on that idea and tells Johnny that he believes Jessica may have some sort of delusion about having another child due to the loss of her son. So Johnny's upset that they won't help. And you know what? I've said this since Johnny got there. They treat him so differently than they treated Ryan. And I understand Ryan was family, blah, blah, blah. And I thought it was getting better. Like, Jack isn't mean to him anymore. I always felt like Jack was kind of mean to him. But I think Jack's nicer to him. But they still never take what he says seriously. So he's upset, like I said, that they won't help. And he tells them that he promised to help and leaves. So Mickey decides to go with him, I think. She says she wants to verify the Sandersons do not need a second cradle. So I don't know if Johnny's going to Sanderson's to see if they're having twins and Mickey's going with him. Or if Johnny's going somewhere and Mickey's going to the Sanderson's. I don't know. I kind of thought Mickey was going with him. And then Jack seems kind of befuddled that Mickey's going to go. I don't like the way he treats Johnny. If it was Ryan, I think they would give it more thought, maybe. Although Ryan wouldn't have been nice to the woman because Ryan always said awful things to people, in my opinion. And I said that before, so I don't know. So now I wonder if all the parents who had twins have lost the one that they got to keep. I wonder if that's part of the curse. I also wonder if all of the women knew they were having twins. Like the Sandersons didn't mention it, so maybe they don't know. I mean, I'm just thinking that maybe Jessica either knew she was having twins or heard there were two babies when she was giving birth. And she may be one of the only few people that knew they were having twins. And maybe that's how they get away with it for so long because all the other mothers don't know they're having twins and don't realize they've given birth to two babies. I don't know how you can not realize you're giving birth to two babies, but, you know, they could be drugged or under a spell or whatever. Priority one message from Starfleet coming in on secured channel. Space, the final frontier, or is it? Discover the podcast of a couple of moms who love Star Trek and happen to have kids on the autism spectrum. Join Vicki and Elizabeth as we explore strange new worlds, the Star Trek Discovery series, autism, and whatever else comes to mind. We're Moms Going Boldly, and you can find us on Podbean, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, and Player FM. Hey, Dud Gramley here from Yeah, That Can't Be Good. Please join Kim, Vicky, Skip, and myself over at Yeah, That Can't Be Good for an episode-by-episode podcast of all things Eureka. You can listen at EurekaRewatch.com on Apple Podcasts, Podbean, or wherever you get your podcasts. And we're back. So over at the clinic, the air quote staff is having a ritual at the tree. They drink from a skull that was inside of a box that's on the table. So maybe that's the antique? I don't know. Dr. Oakwood says something about his sacred oak bearing fruit and they will sow her offspring far and wide. 
So there's a blonde woman there that, to me, looks like she doesn't belong or is against all of this or is planning something. I don't know. But they all look afraid to me. So I don't know if it's the acting or if they're supposed to look serious as if they're into it. Or are they really supposed to look afraid? Because they kind of look afraid. But this blonde woman just seems like she's up to something. I don't know. They keep showing her. That's why I think she's relevant. So I guess we'll have to see if she has something to do with anything or if I'm just reading her expressions wrong. But they did just, they did keep showing her. But then again, the camera focused in on some random guy in the church and read my lips for no reason whatsoever. It went right past Ryan's head to focus in on this guy and he was nobody in the episode. And I, if you recall, because I obviously didn't remember what Johnny looked like, I thought he was Johnny and I thought he was going to show up in the middle of episodes or something and there was never any explanation about who this guy was or why they zoomed in on his face unless maybe there was a deleted scene in that episode but I never got an answer to that one so they could be showing this woman for absolutely no reason whatsoever. So I also can't tell if Dr. Oakwood is saying that all of these women will be raising a coven of their own, or if they will also be contributing to the coven by bearing their own children. Like, are they just going to be raising all of these children that these women are having, or are they also going to be bearing children, is I guess what I'm trying to say. Ask. But in either case, they're all raising a coven because they're, they want to build their numbers. So Johnny arrives at the clinic, so I guess Mickey didn't go with him. He sneaks into the bushes while leaving his car right out in front. If you're going to sneak in the bushes, why do you park right in front of the place? So he finds a window where an expectant father is waiting and being given instructions on the candle ritual, which we saw earlier. But I don't think Johnny heard any any of it because he leaves and starts looking for a way in with the car parked in front still. So he climbs up a fire escape and finds the nursery where he sees that Sheila is really there. He looks at the picture and she does look exactly like him. And she's walking around giving people mistletoe, saying it'll you'll dream something nice or whatever. So Johnny comes down to the ground in time to hear the father with the candle scream and the wind pick up, but he doesn't get to the tree in time to see him taken. So, I mean, it's obvious there's something going on at the tree. There's a table, there's a basket of flowers. But Johnny leaves when he can't find anyone there. And after he leaves, a blossom opens up on the tree and a little figure is inside. So I'm guessing it may be the same one we saw when Michael was taken. It's hard to tell. So maybe that is the antique. I'm going to guess it's the little figure because we've seen it twice now. If it was the same one we saw at the beginning, which I have to imagine it is. Johnny goes back to the store and tells them about the children, the screaming and the ring of stones. But Jack and Mickey have an answer for everything. They think it's cruel to raise Jennifer's hopes if it's not true. I really think they can investigate without telling Jennifer until they know something. But anyway, Johnny agrees to wait for Nightfall to go back. So I don't know what waiting for Nightfall has to do with getting or not getting Jennifer's hopes up unless he was on his way to talk to her, which maybe they just didn't say. But at this point, Johnny's a believer and they can't talk him out of it. So Johnny and Mickey go to the clinic together and find all of the lights out. So they go around the back. They find the nursery empty because, as we have seen, the girls and the staff are having a ritual with the Sandersons out at the tree. Ryan climbs in through the window. As they're searching the doctor's office, they notice that Jennifer's file isn't there. Mickey sees a fire out in the woods through the window. And I don't know why they didn't hear the flute playing when they were outside, but they didn't. So Ryan grabs a bunch of files, and they go check out the fire. 
they can hear chanting as soon as they get outside. They see all of them gathered, you know, with all their white dresses on and under the tree and all that. And they see Mr. Sanderson drink from the skull, although he looks a little surprised that they're asking him to drink from a skull. When they tell Jack about what they saw, Jack seems to think they're dealing with druids. Johnny seems to know about druids and mentions Stonehenge and sacrifices. And we did see a Stonehenge-type rock formation when Michael was going in at the beginning of the episode. Jack also says the rituals tend to be performed in front of a large oak tree, which fits. And Jack says that oak trees became symbols of rebirth and fertility for them because they tend not to sustain any damage from lightning strikes or something like that. So Jack finally believes that a cursed object may be behind this. And I don't even know that Johnny was trying to get him to believe it was a cursed object. I think he was just trying to get him to believe something was going on, you know. But he's finally on the side that there's a cursed object behind this. So while reading all the patient files that Johnny grabbed, they found similarities to Jennifer's situation. There were fathers abandoning their wives as they were giving birth. And there was at least one file of the other twin that lived through birth, dying later. So Jack finally searches for a fertility entry in the manifest. He finds the figure of Serranos, the horned god of the Celts. The Druids believe he gave birth to paternal twins, fully grown, and they sprang from his forehead. Lewis sold it to Dr. Frederick Cornwall. So later, Dr. Oakwood is examining Mrs. Sanderson, and Mrs. Sanderson asks why it feels like there are two sets of feet kicking, but Dr. Oakwood just tells her that everyone feels that way when they're this close to giving birth. She looks worried when Dr. Sanderson leaves the examination room. Outside the room, the other nurse is worried that Mrs. Sanderson knows, but the doctor says that with whatever they're going to give her, she won't remember having two babies. Before they get any further with that conversation, the blonde woman comes in, and says that the tree is blooming, but the fruit isn't ripening. So the doctor says that every 12th husband is enough to feed the tree for a year, but to reproduce, they'll need another sacrifice. So they decide to sacrifice Mr. Sanderson. So from what I've seen so far, I thought that was a given. So maybe all the fathers don't have to be sacrificed? I don't know. She says that after the sacrifice, they'll celebrate the sacrifice of fire. So this sounds different than the candle thing, so I'm a bit confused at this point. To me, it kind of sounds like they're going to sacrifice him and then do the sacrifice of fire. So it sounds like there's going to be two sacrifices. Although I imagine they would be sacrificing him anyway. So Mickey found Dr. Cornwell and speaks to him. He says that he donated the statue to a charity event. Mickey mentions Dr. Oakwood and he says he can ask her if she's the one who bought it. He's a pediatrician and they share some patients. Johnny calls Jennifer and tells her that her daughter might be at the clinic, but not to get her hopes up, which is not a smart move, really. How do you expect her to not do anything when she's told her daughter might be at the clinic? (sighs) Wait until you know. But she runs out of the phone booth before hearing Johnny say that he's not certain and to give him a little more time. Johnny thinks nothing of the fact that she's no longer on the phone, and he just gets distracted when Mickey comes in. So Mickey comes back, and Jack has found more information about the Druids. All of their priests are women, and he's noticed that all of the staff at the clinic are also female. The couples giving birth are breeding followers so the Druids can rise again, is Jack's theory. 
They figure the men must be the sacrifices, but Mickey wonders why some of the men, which probably was in the files, but I didn't realize it at the time when I was speculating earlier about whether or not all the men died, because I don't think they said that. But like I said, Mickey wonders why it's not all of the men. Jack thinks the sacrifices are tied to the seasonal cycles of the moon, which is why they showed us a full moon at, at the first shot of the episode, I guess. Back in the nursery, Sheila tells the nurse that she had a dream about a nice man who said he was her daddy, but he said he was dead. The nurse tells her that that's not true. All the girls have mommies and daddies. They just live far away. Uh, I guess Sheila and the girls are under the impression that when it's time, they'll be reunited with their parents who can teach them magic. Jennifer comes in and tells Sheila that she's her real mommy. She tries to take her, but all of the nurses come in and grab her. Dr. Oakwood says that she will be their guest of honor at the sacrifice of fire. And I really couldn't tell if Sheila believed she was her mother or not. But she looks upset. She kind of looks happy when Sheila said, I'm your real mother, like she knew it. Obviously, she couldn't because she was an infant when she was taken, except that she's supposed to have some sort of power, so maybe she did know it. And then when they took her away, she looked upset or confused. So I don't know. I think she knows this woman's her mother. I don't know how, but that's what I think right now. It was just kind of the way she was looking at the mistletoe branch as she was walking away looking confused so maybe maybe um when she had the dream about her father she actually saw her mother in the dream maybe she didn't get that far in the explanation to the nurse so maybe she did recognize her i don't know that's kind of way off the wall but it was just the way she was kind of looking at the mistletoe when she was walking away that made me think there was something with the mistletoe So the staff has Jennifer tied up and the blonde woman, who I guess is Nurse Morgan, and another are building something for the sacrifice called the Wicker Man. Nurse Morgan explains that the Wicker Man sacrifice is supposed to be a man, but Dr. Oakwood tells her that any sacrifice is acceptable to ripen the fruit on the tree. Nurse Morgan doesn't seem convinced, but continues working on whatever they're building. Word comes that the Sandersons have arrived and Mrs. Sanderson is in labor. At the store, they're finally trying to figure out where Jennifer went. <laughs> they finally realized that she took off. Mickey, Jack, and Johnny are all going to the clinic to check it out. In the delivery room, Dr. Oakwood asks Mr. Sanderson to wait outside just as Jack, Mickey, and Johnny drive up. Johnny's heading to the nursery while Jack and Mickey are going to try to sneak inside. Mr. Sanderson is getting the candle ritual instructions. And Dr. Oakwood gives Mrs. Sanderson something called the cloth of dreams to put her out. So first, when they decided they needed another sacrifice, they decided to sacrifice him. Which made it sound like they weren't going to sacrifice him originally. And now they have a new sacrifice, Jennifer, for the celebration of fire or whatever it was. Or the sacrifice of fire. So you would assume that they don't need to sacrifice him because they have Jennifer. So do all the men have to do the candle thing and maybe the tree just takes some of them, the ones that it needs? Is that how it works? Because why is he doing the candle thing when they have a sacrifice? I'm still confused about this. And then there's Nurse Morgan, who I think was the same blonde lady I thought was up to something when they were doing that ritual under the tree. Dr. Oakwood tells her not to worry about it because tomorrow she'll receive a seed and she'll 
be able to go off and begin her own coven. So are they saying she'll receive a seed like a seed from the tree? Or are they saying she'll receive a seed as in she's going to be pregnant? No matter what, she doesn't look happy. Obviously, she's not happy about them sacrificing a female. But it also doesn't look like she's happy about going off on her own to have her own coven. I still think something's up with her. Mickey and Jack are able to sneak in through the door. They duck into a room when they hear someone and find the chest and the skull from the ceremony Johnny and Mickey witnessed. Jack confirms that the items are druid. Mickey asks, obviously worried about Jennifer, if they sacrifice women as well. Jack tells her that they do. Johnny gets to the nursery window, but before he can open it, he notices Mr. Sanderson outside walking with a candle. He decides to leave the window and follow him. Johnny sees that the tree's taking Mr. Sanderson, and he tries to help him to keep him from getting swallowed by the root, but he gets dragged in along with Mr. Sanderson. So Mrs. Sanderson delivers the first baby, and Jack and Mickey hear its cries. Jack continues to search the room they're in, and Mickey leaves to find the baby. It wasn't clear at the time. I figured it was the baby. Jack notices some of the staff outside all dressed in white and carrying torches and setting up the wicker man coffin thing that they were building. But Nurse Morgan knocks him out with the cloth of dreams. I really thought she was going to switch sides and help at some point. I mean, I guess there's still time, but I really did think she was going to switch sides. So Mickey finds the nursery and asks the girls if they've seen another woman here who is not a nurse. Sheila asks if it was the one who said she was her mother. So Dr. Oakwood tells Nurse Morgan to prepare the wooden suit for Jack. Morgan is happy to hear that, and I'm guessing she believes that Jack will be taking the place of Jennifer, unless she's over that and just happy for another male sacrifice. It looks to me like she's happy that they're doing it the right way. Dr. Oakwood says that with two male sacrifices, the tree will bear fruit tonight. Underground, Johnny's still alive. Above ground, the women prepare Jack for the ritual. In the other room, they prepare Jennifer for death by draining her blood slowly through an IV. And Mickey confirms to Sheila that Jennifer is her mother and convinces her to help her find Jennifer. They hide when the nurse comes in with the new baby. The ritual march continues outside while Johnny tries to get out of the upside down. And I'm sorry, I'm kidding. I'm sorry, that's what it reminds me of. He tries to get out from underground. Mickey brings Sheila to the room, but Jack is gone. And so is the box with the skull. Sheila knows that they must have gone to the tree because that's where they send all of the daddies. The staff is at the tree and is preparing to begin. We see the figurine in the bloom of the tree, which apparently are the seeds. All those blooms have those figurines and their seeds, apparently. Johnny's still looking for a way out underground. Mickey and Sheila come across Mrs. Sanderson, but she's asleep, so they continue on to look for Jennifer. Johnny searches for Matthew, who's yelling for help. He passes by a few skulls and stuff from past sacrifices. Above ground, the staff raise Jack and the coffin up and hang it from the tree, a branch or something. Jack begins to wake up. Mickey and Sheila find Jennifer. Mickey unhooks her from the IV and she sees Sheila. Sheila calls her mommy and they hug. Mickey leaves Jennifer with Sheila and tells Sheila to get her mother out of there as soon as possible. Johnny finds Matthew and saves him from the root that's around his throat while fighting off the roots that are attacking him. Johnny and Matthew find the full-size statue underground and they begin to cut the roots that are around it to get it free. Above ground, the wind picks up and the tree begins to shake and make noises. Branches and blossoms fall and the coffin falls. Johnny and Matthew 
run for a way out with the figurine. Above ground, most of the women run away except for Dr. Oakwood. Mickey runs into the grove looking for Jack. She gets him out of the coffin while Johnny and Matthew are still trying to find their way out. They're able to make their way out of the tree just before it's struck by lightning. The lightning causes a branch to fall right on Dr. Oakwood. Lightning hits again and destroys the tree. Jack takes the statue from Johnny and tells Mickey and Johnny that they have to collect all the seedlings and be sure they don't leave any behind. Back at the store, Jack actually apologizes to Johnny, yay, and says if he'd listened to him earlier, they would have gotten there before the tree produced the seeds. So the cursed antique from Friday the 13th Wiki is a druidic fertility idol that guarantees the birth of fraternal twins of the opposite gender at the cost of the father's life. So according to this description, but I don't know who writes these descriptions for, you know, Friday the 13th Wiki, but it's always at the cost of the father's life, which kind of confuses me because it didn't sound like they were planning on sacrificing Mr. Sanderson. It's like they just had that idea when they needed another sacrifice. So that confused me a little. Oddly enough, everyone lived in this episode, and I like that. Jennifer lived and got her daughter back. Johnny saved Matthew, and the Sandersons have both babies. So I wish I knew what happened to the rest of the girls and the staff. I was also sure that we would see a shot of the one seed that Mickey and Johnny missed, but we didn't. I was sure they were going to show us that they missed one, but they didn't. I was surprised. I also wonder if one of the Sanderson twins will die at six years old, or if I'm guessing that's not an issue now, that they have the idol back and it's not connected to the tree. The tree's dead anyway. But I did like this one. I did. I liked the story, and I really liked that they actually saved everyone instead of them getting the antique back after everyone dies. I like the changes they seem to be making in this season and how they don't seem to be sticking to the formula they'd been using. We're seeing stories going a different way than what we'd gotten used to and antiques acting differently than expected and people actually being saved. It's a shame the network or whoever made the decision to cancel the show didn't give them the chance to explore different types of stories like these. You know, they don't have to be single-minded and just getting the antiques back. They could try to save people. I'm not saying they didn't try to save people, but in most of the first two seasons, almost everybody died and they were just happy to get the antique back. But I would have liked to see more of this kind of not only trying to get the antique back, but actually trying to save people. And again, it's not like they don't try to save people, but this one, they were specific. They specifically went there looking for Jennifer to help Jennifer. So it wasn't just all about the antique. And I liked that. Anyway, bottom line is I really liked this episode, and I hope you did too. Bye. This is Doug reminding you to follow us on Facebook at facebook.com backslash 13th Warehouse, on Twitter at Eureka Warehouse, and on Instagram at Eureka underscore Warehouse. You can listen to The 13th Warehouse on our website, the13thwarehouse.com, on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Google Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Theme music for the 13th Warehouse, Friday the 13th, the series edition, Suspense Night, provided by Anton Kornienko, Pixabay user 147-98912, free for personal or commercial use. See you next time at the warehouse.